0: Can AI solve all the issues in construction? Will AI take over control? No. End of story. As interesting as those questions are, they're the wrong questions. As a tool, it can help, for sure. And I think we're at a fortunate point in the history of construction to be right at the bleeding edge of this technology. Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by ForConstructionPros.com. I'm Jonathan, and this episode features my interview with Brad Roberts, President of Construction Technology at DeWalt, Stanley, Black & Decker, and Raphael Sheps, co-founder and CEO of Converge. Since they sit in a unique position in today's construction technology, I took the opportunity to ask about AI in construction, where the industry is at, what the industry is doing with the data, and where it's headed. Here's my interview. So, Converge and Dewalt have created a strategic partnership to help decarbonize construction through Concrete DNA Converge's AI platform, uh, along with new wireless concrete sensor from Dewalt. Can you can you guys walk me through the partnership? What's happening there?
1: Yeah, great question, Jonathan. Hey, uh, so De- Dewalt and Converge began working together just about a uh, year year and a half ago, and what DeWalt was looking for was one productivity gains, meaning areas that we can actually uh, make the construction workflow more productive, but then also, you know, what, how can we impact, you know, a society as a whole. And so we found that in in Converge being a partner that uh, allows us to help remove carbon gases and the concrete mixture with the cement uh, formulas it it allows us to play in that area, but it also allows us to, through some technology, find out when we can get on the concrete and start doing work faster, and uh, that that uh, plays right along with all of our concrete tools and and other offerings we provide with, uh, you know, in the concrete space. Sure,
0: Brad, would you would you tell me how you found Converge? Like, it's it sounds like. Um... Like an odd place to be for DeWalt, to be
1: honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, DeWalt, believe it or not, we are a technology based company, right? So oh, yeah. we have people working in the background, uh, you know, within our concrete trade group that uh, was in contact with Converge a while ago. And uh, when I came into the organization, it actually got resurfaced when we started working on software solutions, right? A lot of uh, Converge's advantage and capability comes out of their. Uh, leading software, if you will. And, and that's where we're starting to play. We're starting to work on work streams that go from design all the way through to the job site and Converge is allowing us to to make that play, if you will, and solve that, the work stream applications within Hunkie.
2: Sure. And if I, if I jump in there, I mean, Jonathan, what's really interesting is, I mean, DeWalt has a, a suite of products that pretty much, you know, historically have Hey, every kind of part of the life cycle in Concrete. Um, I mean, we're a UK based startup. We didn't really have a North American presence. Um, When I met some of the DeWalt team, we I think saw the synergy straight away between a lot of the DeWalt tools and then where DeWalt wanted to go from a digital strategy perspective around digitization. Um, And there was obviously sort of um, a lot of value in actually bringing that digital solution and sensor technology um, as a synergistic offering uh, with where DeWalt was going. Uh, which for us also um meant you know uh, stepping into the North American markets,, uh, which is certainly exciting from the the other side of the pond.
0: You mentioned a uh, startup. how when did you guys start um coming into construction? When did you guys re- release? and
2: yeah, we've we, we've been around for eight years now, so we're we're more of a oh. scale up for startup. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know forever a startup, right? <laughs> Always innovating. Uh, but, um, and, and we were always, I mean, we, we, we started off, so I'm, I'm, a physicist by background, so I'm not, not from construction. Um, but I, uh, I knew a lot about sensors. Um, me and my co-founder were both physicists. We were interested in how sensors could help digitize the world. And we discovered construction quite serendipitously, um, uh, met one of the largest contractors in the UK who took us onto a construction site. Yeah, definitely. I mean, eight years ago now. Uh, and that's when we started realizing that you could apply sensors across construction. And if you could start digitizing what was really going on on job sites uh, by measuring it, you could really start optimizing efficiency and sustainability.
0: is Is that what you brought you to the construction industry? Um, I, I always like to find out where what brought people into,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for me it was my first first site visit. um, you know that that was a, it was a tier one contractor that took us onto sites. Um, and it was probably the the first time I put a hard hat on, uh, and we started realizing, you know, steel-toe cap is hard hat, high-vis, and we started realizing there's this massive foundational sector, right? We're always going to have to build, whether we live on Earth or on Mars one day, we're going to have to be building structures to live in and transport ourselves on. So huge social impacts of construction. Um, But um, uh, from a digitization perspective, there was a, a big opportunity to actually start digitizing and having an impact through digitization. Um, and that—that's kind of certainly what what led me into construction. I mean, since then we have brought construction expertise as well. You know, I think we're a big believer in actually uh, meshing together construction and tech expertise. So I don't think we could have done it without civil engineers, structural engineers, concrete technologists who've, who've also joined the team. Uh, and I'm sure Brad—I mean, you know—has a, uh, I guess, a similar story coming from outside of construction into construction.
0: Yeah, Brad, what what brought you into construction and construction technology?
1: Yeah, yeah, I spent uh, you know roughly twenty years in automation, Jonathan. So, a lot in software, robotics. You know, a lot of Department of Defense work, guidance system things like that. And I got introduced into the construction space and uh, saw an opportunity, I guess, for technology to be implemented and executed within the space. So you know, you see a lot of areas where you can come in and have an impact. And then you see how uh, in in many of the trades they embrace technology. So it's, uh, it was an exciting opportunity to step in about you know, 15 years ago and, and uh, have a look back. It's been a pleasurable experience trying to shape and change the way the industry uh, goes after solving the tough applications of building these complex buildings out there.
0: Do you guys have That's... like a, a wow moment through your career um, that you could tell me about?
1: Yeah, yeah. So for mine, it was the first job site. You know, when I stepped into the industry, I spent the first six months in the field. Uh, on job sites and offices, uh, design firms, and uh, when I first came into the industry, I was kind of surprised. Uh, I would say at the lack of advancement, if you will. Okay. And then I guess my wow moment is is how the industry has started to embrace it. You know, when you go from pencils and tape measures to now robotic total stations and and the new interest in AI. It's quite a big change in a very short period of time. So that, that's that been my biggest wow, is the, the adaptability of the industry and the willingness to change.
0: Oh, yeah. I've been told a lot. I, I keep on hearing, oh, there's it's really hard to break into the construction industry with technology. It's really slow to adapt. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. It is exponentially going faster and faster and faster. So... Uh, Every day so far, every single time I hear about something new, is now another wow moment for me.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Rafael, and then, too, um,
0: can you tell me about a wow moment in your career?
2: Yeah, I think it really echoes what you just, uh, what you both just said. Actually, um, you know, we were just starting out as a company. I think we were one or two years old, um, and we were doing a pilot with one of the biggest uh, metro uh, operators and builders, um, uh, kind of globally. Um, and I remember it was meant to be a small-scale pilot, just to sort of test the sensors and the technology. Um, it was an overnight job, so actually um, they were essentially replacing concrete underneath the tracks um, in sort of deep underground tunnels. Um, now we get to about three, four a.m., and the project's realizing that um, if they rely on traditional methods, they're going to be delayed, um, and that would cost them millions of lost customer minutes because you've got massive amounts of you know traffic going through those metro stations. Um, and uh, middle of the night one of the the kind of engineers on the project calls up the chief engineer at the at the metro operator and goes we've got this new technology you know if we don't start relying on it we're going to be losing millions of customer minutes that's what they were measured on um can we start relying on it and they said yes um and to me that was just like a great example of you know you've got this huge industry but it's actually able to make changes um quite quickly because it comes down to, to a human question as well right and 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 you've got people out there in the industry really willing to drive a change because they you know they want to make an impact and they want to be be building as, as efficiently and sustainably as possible
0: and I do want to talk um about the technology um, at hand right now so uh, what makes the DeWalt sensor and converges concrete DNA platform unique from other concrete sensors what what data is being captured and how can contractors use that to their benefit?
2: Yeah, happy to, happy to sort of pick that up from a, a kind of a technical perspective. Um, I mean, ultimately it's all about what we do, with the data, right? So Jonathan, there's, there's lots of um, uh, sensors uh, out there. I mean, ma- the maturity method as a method has been out, around since the fifties, right? People have used thermocouples in the industry to start trying to monitor their concrete. In many ways, it's, a, it's an old method, but it's new technology. Um, it used to be clunky to do this because you had wires everywhere. Um, and you'd have to sort of manage data loggers, and it was very manual for the engineers, and they required quite a lot of technical expertise. Um, So in some respects, I I guess the first step was to make it really simple to use, um, you know, from a technology perspective, make the tech seamless. Um, Engineers on site are super busy. Um, They they don't, um, you know, have much time. And actually, if you can help enable them uh, by providing them tools that, that work every time, um, that that's actually uh, huge. But then beyond that is what do you actually start doing with that data? Um, and so, you know, one of the unique things we do, for example, is we're able to link the sensor data into the BIM model, um, and so you can start creating a, a real digital twin of concreting. Um, uh, whether it's a BIM model or, or kind of broadly, a drawing or the geometry uh, of an element, that starts to contextualize the sensor data, um, uh, and uh, yeah, so that's actually something that's quite unique in the system, and we're able to start using that data to provide um, insights and analytics on what's really going on on your job site. Um, so think, you know, how long is it taking me to to complete a cycle? Am I actually hitting the kind of target cycles? So it's really about that that data piece, that digital layer that sits on top of the sensor. Um, I mean, at the hardware layer, there's a bunch of other areas in which in which the sensor you know differentiates um and um and, you know, kind of eight, eight years of of getting this sort of used um uh, across loads of different types of job sites. I mean, I think we've been exposed to anything from nuclear to high rise to you know rail. um and so the technology's certainly been uh, been battle tested as well
1: and and what it does for us, Jonathan, is it provides us again, this. Uh more seamless solution from design all the way through to execution on a job site. So it's a piece of that work stream in concrete. So we've got Converge on the, hey, when you go to pour, how does it work? Have you had the right mixture? Do you have the right solution there in order to get on the concrete and work as fast as possible? But we also have other solutions that work on, hey, is my form work in the right place? Do I need to fix it, or do I need to move my precast and embeds before I actually pour the concrete? So that's again part of that uh, on the job site productivity play we have. And then again, we have the tools downstream to say, "Hey, I got to put a hole in it because I, you know, I didn't put an embed in the right place, or I wanted to post install my anchoring or my my uh, my solutions for hanging." And then we get into some service capabilities. So. The goal is to to have the person enter our platform at the beginning and take it all the way to the job site and have nice data transfer from beginning to end so they know what they're doing, why they're doing it. They know what materials they need in order to do the work, and then they can continue to monitor downstream the lifecycle management of the building based on the work that was already done. And Converge is going to play a big part in that data flow from beginning to end in that work stream for concrete for us.
0: Sure. I would imagine uh, that there'd be potentially millions of factors involved with concrete alone um, about how many data points does converges AI need to analyze how many data points is in the database?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a really good question, Jonathan. Um, I, I don't have an exact number off the top of my head, but I know it's certainly in the tens of millions and it might be in the hundreds of millions of data points at this point. On the behavior of um you know different concrete pores different geographies different types of mixes um and and different types of elements as well right from slabs to rafts to uh pal caps to cores uh to to columns so you, you've got kind of like a really wide and broad data set um that, that we've kind of been able to collect and I, I mean what's really exciting about working with dewalt is ultimately uh together we're able to actually kind of further commercialize this, get exposure to an even broader um, set of construction conditions, which increases the predictive power of the system. uh, And then ultimately the value delivered to the industry. Sure.
0: Do they like communicate with the rest of the, the, the the wall platform as Brad was explaining?
1: Yeah. So we're not there yet. We're actually getting out of the gate here, Jonathan. And uh, once we get the solution out of the market and start to expand then we'll work on the the integration of the the platform into our software. suite. Sure. I'm I'm always thinking like 10 years in advance. Good for you. (laughs) That's the way you should be thinking, right? That's how you move the industry.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, just to add to that, I mean, you know, we're big believers of open and interoperable, like ultimately, um, Construction is a a really complex industry. Um, I think that's one of the reasons actually technology's, you know, um, been difficult to implement in construction. It's not because of the lack of willingness, the willingness is there. It's it's a really challenging environment, right? Um, You know, you you have a variable product and a variable environment, uh, ultimately, that you're you're kind of trying to build. Um, And so the only way um, of getting technology to work is to have, you know, different pieces built by different people and then integrate them together. Um so yeah open and shoppable is key. Sure.
0: What one of the big stories out there is always um environmental impacts and sustainability. Um how can the Dewalt sensor and concrete DNA help reduce embodied carbon emissions and and what role does AI play in reducing construction the construction industry's environmental impact?
2: Yeah, so so I mean cement I and mean, concrete and cement represents about 8% of global carbon um which you know is huge I mean, to give you an order of magnitude that's three times as much as aviation um, as the entire aviation industry globally. Um, Ultimately, that's because of the the cement production process. So when you're producing cement, you've got to take limestone, you put it in a kiln, you've got to heat that limestone to several thousand degrees. Um, That's uh, often done with coal, actually. So there's a a lot of emissions at at that point in the process just because of the energy required. Um, And then the process itself releases CO2. Um, You're basically going from limestone to, to calcium oxide and CO2. So super carbon intensive um, from a production perspective. Now, when we start looking at the behavior of mixes in the field, and um, and kind of the the, the batching of concrete uh, and its performance, what what we're starting to to see quite clearly is that concrete's very often over designed. Um, you've got excess cement um, in concrete that uh, doesn't really need to be there. Uh, we do it because we want to be safe, right? Ultimately, we want to make sure we've we've dosed the right amount. Um, if you start measuring the behavior of concrete in the field, you can create a feedback loop. You're able to say, hey, I know how that concrete actually behaves in the field. And that means I can look to optimize the formulation. Um, and so at that point, you've really got two ways of optimizing the, the recipe, the, the mix design. You can look to just reduce the amount of cement um, because you're you're more precise ultimately in, in your in your quantities and your, your dosage. Um, and there, there's an opportunity of about 10 to 15% in our view on average. Um, more with some mixes than others. But again, globally, that's 400 megatons. And then the other way to do that is to actually say, well, let's replace cement with something else. And you have a lot of these novel materials, um, supplementary cementitious materials that replace regular Portland cement, um, things like slag or fly ash, uh, but also you know all sorts of new ones that are coming um, to market. Uh, but people don't know how they behave. And so actually, if you can put a sensor next to them, you're able to really validate that these novel mixes are behaving the way they need to. Um, and, and that can... Start um, upping the carbon savings to you know fifty, sixty, even seventy percent on a on a given mix. So if I had to summarize it, it's really a digital tool that helps enable uh, the 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 saving of of carbon. It's a digital layer that really helps people make better decisions.
0: If memory serves, Dewalt kind of released the sensor at World of Concrete um, January. Was it January already? Uh, January twenty twenty three. Um, Brad, what has been the response so far?
1: Yeah, so that was our, our soft launch at Ward of Concrete. And we're just starting to get the product into the market uh, this month, as a matter of fact. And, and the reception has been spectacular so far. So we've got our distribution channel. that's uh, They've consumed everything we've shipped into the country, uh, understanding the value of this solution. And we anticipate continued growth in this space for many reasons, right? For productivity gains, one, but also, uh, again, carbon emissions and and uh, being able to solve a critical application in the space of you know, using less cement in order to 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 mix your concrete and, and get onto the space a lot faster to work, right? So help the environment, but also get out there quicker and get the work done faster. And, I, and again, I don't have the the facts in my head, Jonathan, but, but the, the one place that, that you can make up time on a project is in the concrete work. Once the concrete's down, you only lose time. And so this is an area we really want to target when we go after the construction workflows where we can actually reduce time to deliver the, the end product of the building.
0: Sure, sure. I think... Uh, we we were talking about it just a little bit about how AI and technology is getting integrated and more and more into construction technology. Um, technologically speaking, when you're speaking with contractors and going out into the field, where do you kind of see the construction industry sits to with AI today?
1: It's a lot of activity recently. I just spent uh, a couple of days out of the VC and Silicon Valley and, You know, it's got the limited partners in the group and every single one of them has either their own internal VC fund or is working with startups to figure out how they can leverage AI, you know, either to put together their solution or to make their solution more productive or to work with others in making their solution better. So we're seeing it impact design. There's a couple of startups out there actually doing automated design. You know, I want to, you know, design me a seven-story building with the first two floors multi-use and next five residential. I want the exterior brick. And, uh, you know, it's got to fit in this space, in this height. And it'll actually create a BIM model of the building using AI. So we're seeing advancements in that area all the way through to, you know, Language models, being able to ascertain specs off of drawings and, and being able to, you know, create spec books or down into uh, bid and estimation where they can start to make their bids more accurate. They can uh, improve their estimation and win ratio based on some of the learnings from the data. You know, it's, it's really becoming uh, a thing of the future and actually the thing of the now. And the challenge, and I think Raphael can get into a little bit of the challenge because he's executed some of this. The challenge is actually the data. Is there's not a lot of cloud-based stored data in the construction space. And, And what does exist is protected. You know, you're a contractor or a manufacturer, and you've created this data, you've stored this data, and it's kind of your intellectual property. And to imagine handing that over to a startup or to someone else to analyze it, to move the construction space forward, helps everyone else maybe catch up to you. So the challenge is how do you neutralize that data to where projects and, you know, people who have created that data is not as transparent, but yet you can still leverage that data and your solutions and help move the industry. And to me, that's the challenge and how fast this will be adapted you know, how fast it will be executed and what the impact will be in the construction space.
0: Rafael, can you talk to those challenges about the data, about collecting all the data, about the tens of millions of data points that you have?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it, it, it's really interesting because construction has a lot of data, but it's in the wrong place, right? Like the, the um, oh. you've got, I mean, you, you go out to job sites, you'll find spreadsheets and PDF test results. Like even in the concrete value chain, I mean, cube crushes sit in someone's email and then they might up update it and then, you know, upload it somewhere. Um, you, you've got um, slump measurements that sit somewhere else uh, and, and they're done by a different stakeholder. So you've got a bunch of data being generated, but it's not actually being centralized. So to, to Brad's point, the problem is it doesn't kind of end up in the cloud. Um, and, and that's a massive missed opportunity. Um, now what's exciting is you're starting to see contractors look to centralize their data, look to build up, you know, data lakes, Um and and data strategies i'm you know i'm seeing a new job title emerging construction which is also exciting it's the, the chief data officer or you know a data architect um w- within construction companies that a couple of years ago didn't exist so you're certainly seeing kind of contractors across the board starting to kind of really think about you know um centralizing that data but then data is just the the beginning as well right and and to brad's point there's certainly been reticence to, to share data um and i've, I've even encountered you know, situations where there, there was a moratorium on on kind of m- making data accessible externally um but I think that attitudes actually um uh, shifted and evolved um and and people have realized that if you can start making data available you can get a lot more value from it because the data is just the raw material at the end of the day um it, it, it's it's what you do with that data that starts to matter and so if you don't do anything with it I mean you know the, the, there's a big opportunity cost in not starting to opening up that data um and yeah I, I think I think we're seeing that, that evolve and, and the last few years, there's been a huge amount of transformation within, within contractors um, to to start leveraging uh, their data sets and start working with, with startups.
1: Yeah, I, think, I wanted to go ahead. I, was gonna say, I think the industry is learning that siloed data actually has a detrimental impact than actually sharing it through the value stream. Right, There's a lot of valuable information out there that is not passed from process to process. Which is where a lot of the loss and productivity uh, is found, Jonathan, in the construction industry.
0: Sure, sure. I wanted to ask, what's like, because I like bringing it back to to like the day to day reality of things. What's the contractor's role in all of this data and working with artificial intelligence?
1: What's their role? Well, I think, uh, for, from my perspective, I think their role is is actually to start to centralize the data themselves. Um, to start to actually work with others and in, in execution, so they gain some speed, you know, and getting some of these solutions out there. Uh, but then it's also being the uh, the one who adopts and executes, right? Because these solutions don't go anywhere unless the contractors actually start to use the solutions. And how much good tech has has been produced that that uh, has not been successful. Based on a, an adoption rate that maybe wasn't as high, or the industry wasn't as comfortable to, you know, grab it and and use it in the workspace. So for me, it's it's remove some of the silos around the data. It starts to leverage that data and solutions that can be executed in the field, and then the work on higher adoption rates which will solve many problems. I mean, the, you know, as we know there's a labor shortage out there and there is a need for tech to, to help people to become more productive on the job site. And and I think at the adoption rate and the push to drive technology, it'll actually solve some of those labor issues and, and ease a little bit of that burden on attracting new talent into the space. So for me, those are the three or four things that, that I think the contractor needs to drive in the AI space in order to, to make it an active, productive solution in the field.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, I can kind of add to this from a, a you know um, a tech perspective, that that centralization piece, I mean, the, the contractor is really the, the only stakeholder, or maybe the contractor and the, and the ultimate client that can drive that, um, especially because of the, the fragmented nature of construction. You have lots of different you know um, subcontractors, lots of different suppliers on a job site. Um, and so someone needs to sort of take that role and, and kind of get everybody to uh, ensure that, project data is centralized and in one place um, we as a technology startup can't require the testing the concrete testing lab the concrete supplier the concrete subcontractor and the general contractor to start sharing data with each other right uh, but ultimately the, the the GC is really that, that the client of all these sort of uh, stakeholders um, and then you've got the ultimate client uh, and so it, it kind of has to be their role to start driving a, a centralization and unification because then you can start benefiting from that. Um, and all stakeholders will benefit. Um, you know, if I if I look at sort of our product, the, the concrete contractor will benefit because they're able to move on faster with the concrete frame. Um, but the general contractor will be able to ultimately de-risk, um, you know, one of their construction activities, which means the follow-on trades that they've engaged can come in faster. Um, and at the same time, the supplier gets to better understand the behavior of their product. Um, so every every stakeholder in that value chain gets to benefit. But, but the general contractor needs to. Orchestrate and get them to all all work together. Sure. Sure.
0: If we would like jump ahead a couple of years, maybe five, ten years, where do you think the construction industry is headed with AI technologies and sensors like the the DeWalt wireless
1: sensor? Where do I think the industry is headed? So <clears throat> so I think we're at the beginning of a journey. Jonathan, in the, in the adoption of, of AI in the construction space. I mean, AI has been around, what, since the 50s, right? So this is sure. not new, you know, and machine learning has been around for a while. I, I think the next five years, what we're going to find is uh, sweet spots in solution sets and applications that that we can actually drive the productive use of AI, because it's it's a very sexy topic now, but... Actually getting it into practical application and use on a job site takes a little bit of learning, a little bit of experimentation and, and really understanding what you're trying to solve. And is it an application or is it a work stream? And, you know, again, we're seeing advancements in design. We're seeing advancements in machine learning and tools. We're seeing robotics start to emerge. We're seeing digital twin you know, in uh job site back to BIM and BIM to the job site. So we're seeing it in action today. And what I hope to see, I can't tell you where it'll be what I hope to see is that all of these start to integrate and you have common data flows, and you actually start to see an impact in the space and productivity. That's where I hope it goes. Where it goes will depend on the success of each of these efforts that are out in the space, right?
0: Yeah. It goes back to your point of uh, removing those data silos.
1: I couldn't agree more. You right. know, it's, uh, if we go out there and solve unique applications and sub optimize the applications, you're gonna see a very slow creep of progress. If we actually start to share that data, you know, as Rafael has talked about a little bit as well from the GC to the subs and back and forth when that data starts to flow, you'll start to see not just some optimization of applications, but you'll see some optimization of workflows. And that's where I think you start to impact the industry. When you change the way a GC hands offer works with a trade and it becomes more efficient, then you start to impact the industry. You know, To be 5% better as a trade is excellent, but it doesn't move the industry forward. You know, as far as embracing tech and being more productive and, you know, putting up buildings or, you know, rail systems or water treatment plants or things like that.
2: Yeah. And I, I think if, if you then sort of add to that at the, because I think that's a really great kind of description of where, you know, we're all going kind of at that digital layer. Um, at the sensor level, um, there's a bunch of, I think, macro trends um that that you can kind of start use using to forecast right so connectivity is getting better and better every year um so these sensors are gonna be able to communicate more effectively today you still have uh i don't know if you're in a tunnel or if you're kind of deep underground or in a remote location getting connectivity is actually still challenging um on on job sites um so that's kind of one trend The, the other is cost right electronics is getting cheaper and cheaper by the day um uh, and, and ultimately, it's it's becoming possible to sense more and more things. Um, and then at the same time, you've got these you know, devices are, are consuming less and less energy. So it's suddenly possible to measure more stuff, use less energy to do so, and get that data centralized. So actually, you'll start seeing sensors become the way we measure what's been done, uh, where things are, um, how materials are behaving. Uh, so I, I guess our, our kind of core thesis is the... the the amount of data you can generate from sensors, um, complemented with all the uh, the data sort of generated on site um, by by kind of the teams building the assets, starts to give you a much better picture of what's really going on. And, and that starts to feed all these different AI workflows that are supporting uh, the site team and, and the design team's ability to actually um, execute and deliver their project.
0: Now somebody just install some Wi-Fi antenna to it so my house can just have good Wi-Fi coverage We'd be, we'd be all, we'd be all fat.
1: That <laughs> uh, is funny. All this tech that we're putting out on job sites and my cell phone doesn't work in my home if I'm in the right spot.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And I'm, I'm just thinking all those multifamily, 35 story buildings, just fill it with integrated Wi-Fi antennas. There you go, everybody. Here's your free idea.
1: <laughs> hey, we, we have those solutions. What do you mean free idea? We've got gateways go. where we, we connect and our asset management solution, Jonathan. We go Perfect. out and uh, help you find your, your stuff on a job site. It's all good.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, like just like find my phone. Wait, exactly. Where did my phone go? I left my keys someplace, find it. Yeah,
1: I mean, there, there's technology in the ARVR side as well that we haven't yeah. talked about today, but you, know, you put those gateway nodes out there. And and, and and they've got augmented reality that can help you install things on a job site, but it can also walk you through what the installation process is, as well as because you have the gateways, where are the proper tools in order to get it done? So again, those work streams are starting to tie together, which is, I think, where the value is of, okay, I've got my Google lens on, if you will, and I click a couple buttons and it says, "Hey, here's your installation guide. Okay, here's all the tools you need, and one's on the third floor in this gang box, and one's on the first floor in this gang box. And oh, by the way, here's the the tasks that you need to perform." And so we're we're starting to see some of that technology creep into the job site that, again, will have will have an impact.
0: Great, great. Before we um, before uh, end of this episode um and thank you very much for speaking with me and taking your time um do you have any any final thoughts for the construction professionals out there
1: what an exciting time to be in the space <laughs> you know, we're seeing uh, an acceleration you know of adoption of technology in the construction space we're seeing a shift in the workforce meaning a, a lot of the the younger generation is getting excited about construction which uh, is very cool to see, if you will. And so it's a pivotal point and an inflection point, if you will, in my mind, in the construction space, is we're we're evolving. We're moving towards technology. We're we're starting to actually execute with leading-edge tech on a job site, which 15 years ago, I don't know anybody would have sat down and said, wow, AI is going to be active on a job site. Definitely. So now the question is, what's it going to be in five to ten years? What's what's new? What's going to evolve? What's going to be out there on a job site? Yeah, oh, it's a very it's a very exciting time to be in the construction space. You know, the technology's creeping into the job sites; it's being embraced. Uh, the younger generation is is getting excited about the construction space, which is which is very very cool, very nice to see. And uh, you know, if you look at the advancements in the last fifteen years, uh, it's been spectacular. I can only imagine what the next 10 years are going to look like with, you know, AI, start, AI starting to have an impact and being used in the field with robotics coming into the space with, you know, uh, not replacing the workforce, but actually supplementing and working alongside the workforce, uh, which is a really cool work environment to, to be in. And some of the buildings and, and structures that are being uh, con- uh, put in out there. Are just fabulous. I mean, things that we we could not have built 15 years ago are now commonplace. You know, look at that Apple campus. It, you know, it's it's an outstanding structure that would have been very complex to build without some of the technology we have in the construction space today. So, a very exciting time. Looking forward to it seeing more. Is-
0: Rafael, do you have any um,
2: uh, final thoughts? I agree with Brad's vision. It's a super exciting time to be in construction and construction tech. There's a huge amount of change ongoing. Um, I think what I'm particularly excited about is, is how all these technologies are going to help support all sorts of new structures, right? We're going we're gonna to see novel structures that we've never seen before. I mean, We're already seeing construction you know, in various places in the world that we thought was unthinkable you know, a decade ago. Um, so the question is, how do all these novel technologies actually support new ways of building and new types of buildings and structures um, and, and ultimately um, shape up but the cities and and sort of infrastructure we're building—that's that's what I think is going to be pretty incredible. Great.
0: Well, I appreciate you both for joining me, speaking with me today. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks. Nice uh, so have a great day. Take care. Thank you. Bye. And that about does it for this episode. Thanks again to Brad and Raphael for taking the time, and thank you for listening. This has been the Digging Deeper podcast by ForConstructionPros.com. You can find this episode and more on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, if you keep listening, we'll
1: keep digging.